Only Three Lads is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast family, home to some of the best music podcasts on the planet. Visit PantheonPodcast.com to discover more. And if you like what we do on O3L, we kindly ask you to please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. It really helps us more than you know. Hey, we're all back together once again. It is the Only Three Lads podcast where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. Once again, thank you for being here. Uh, we wouldn't do this without you. Well, maybe we would, but we're glad that you're here because you add so much to this podcast. You give us ideas. You get to our Facebook page. By the way, I'm Uncle Greg. Of course, we have the Rockter, the Rocktologist, the PhD of music, the guy who gives us homework each and every week, Brett Fargo. All of the above. And you're right. We would be doing this if it weren't for anybody, but it would not be near as much fun if nobody was listening. Well, there's a lot of things that I've learned just by looking at people's posts on our Facebook page. So I'm really happy. It's like we all are kind of this collective where we can all come together and we just talk about the music that we love. And it's we really worth it. I mean, that's like every Sunday morning on Resurrection Sunday. You see everybody come together from across the country. And it's the one thing that we have in common is this music. And it's so worth it. Oh, Kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya, let's hold hands. Hands across America. You remember that crap? God, I hated that. That was like, hands across America. Hands across this land I love. Oh, that God. was by far the worst of the mid-80s uh, like charity songs. Oh, it was just Save terrible. the world songs. Yeah, because what we had, uh, do they know it's Christmas time? Then we had We're Stars. That was the heavy metal people. Mm. Um, and I remember that one. And then I'm sure there was other ones, but those are the ones that stand out. And then, of course, Hands Across America, which I had nothing to do with because I have a black stone for a heart. That's what we were oh. just talking about. That was very prescient, too, because, you know, now nobody wants to hold hands, right? You are ahead of your time. Yeah. Social distance across America. Don't touch me because you're a diseased human being. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. How, how would that song go? Maybe we should write it. Let's do it. Hey, we got a writer for our third lad this week. Maybe she can help us. Hey, all right. Shall we introduce her? Please, let's do this. All right. First of all, of course, we're talking about our top five honest songs. And I'm going to be honest first here and say when this topic came up, I kind of went, oh, I don't really know what to do here. Because I was looking for songs that kind of some of the same feelings as what I consider to be the pinnacle of honest songwriting, which is John Lennon's Plastic Ono Band album from 1970. Of course, a little bit out of our era. On that album, and I don't know if you've ever heard it, Greg, I'm sure you have, Allison. John's soul is completely laid bare. He puts all his cards on the table. You know exactly where he stands, what he believes in, what he doesn't believe in, what moves him, what hurts him. It's really one of the most cathartic, brave, and vulnerable works ever. But the art of songwriting so often disguises these traits in metaphor, cryptic rhymes, and detached character studies. And I know as a songwriter, I fall prey to that. 
you know, I'll write something that I find overly earnest. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to scratch that. I, I, I don't want to say that. Maybe it's because I'm really not all that interesting when it comes down to it. Stop. But you know who is, Greg? Who? Today's third lad, Allison Landa. Allison. Allison is a brilliant writer based in Berkeley, California, whose recently published memoir on Woodhall Press, Bearded Lady, is true to today's topic. One of the bravest, most unflinchingly honest and revealing books you could hope to read. She also happens to be one of my favorite people on Spaceship Earth as a dear friend from high school. Go Titans. I think we were the Titans. Titans. <laughs> Titans. My All right. The Titans, good. too. Whew. I always struggle on that. I think I actually said we were the Trojans in one episode. And then I'm like, wait, no, I don't think we were. Well, you were really engaged in high school, weren't you, Brett? <laughs> totally. <laughs> go, go Trojans, Titans, whatever. Yeah, whatever we were. Go Poway. But while her book isn't specifically about music, I know she has cool taste in music. So we are very pleased to welcome Allison Landa to Only Three Lads. Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much. It is freaking awesome to be here. And whether it's Trojans, Titans or whatever, I'm proud to come from the background that you come from, Brett. Awesome. Likewise. And we know you've been making the rounds with more uh, serious literary types for this book. So thanks for taking the time out with us because we are decidedly not serious. Thank God. Yes. We're lowbrow. We're cretins. And I can only speak for Greg when I say that. And it's very true, Allison. You know, I always say, why read when you got TV? You know, be a reader. What for? <laughs> Readers are leaders. And who wants to lead when you could just jump on back of the ship and just go for the ride? Oh, Greg, you told me this morning that you were hanging out at the library. I don't believe yeah, you. That was yesterday. Yeah, I go to the library every Saturday, usually just because I love to see. I don't know. It's like a community. You know, here is the greatest thing I think about one of the greatest things about America. And we're so lucky to live in this country and all of across the world that has libraries because you can go to a library and learn anything you want for free. And if you realize one of the most important things that humans ever invented is a written language. It started with the hieroglyphics and it became into letters. And then, I mean, we could talk to people who lived a thousand years ago. Allison knows this. You know, it, her book, hundreds of years from now, someone can pick it up and learn something from her that she tells them. And that's what's amazing to me. I just love trying to learn new things every day because I'm always immersed in news and I still find myself. I'm really nonfiction. Fiction's not for me. I mean, I try it once in a while, but I kind of like the nonfiction sections. And that's where I think I hang out the most. And that's why I'm a Cretan and I'm lowbrow. And I say, what is reading for? You know, I didn't mean that, though. But Allison, congratulations on the release of Bearded Lady. And in many ways, you've kind of lived out the life that I always wanted to live because from a very early age, I wanted to be a writer. And, and a rock star, but I'm still working on that. And one. he wanted to grow a beard. He's a very much a baby face. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. you. Not a yes. problem. This is this is three days worth. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> but, you know, I ended up selling my soul to the man. And here you are with your memoir published. How does it feel at this moment to get your story out to the world? It feels amazing. You know, I want to say something really smart ass right now. Good. Do it. You'll fit right in. You know, it feels like when you get that colonoscopy. <laughs> no, what, you mean pure joy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I like being drugged up, so that works for me. Um, you know, it's something that I, it's a lifetime. It's the kind of thing where people have asked me, how long does it take? It takes a lifetime. And so when you do it and when you experience it, it's like you hold it in your hand, like I'm holding the book right now. And this is something, you know, I, I can't have a lot of cynicism about this. You know, it's, it's the kind of thing I always wanted to enter the conversation. I always wanted to be part of the, the cultural conversation. 
And I feel like I have done that. But more than that, you know, everybody has a story. I don't think we just have one story. Of course not. But we often have that story that we want to tell. And being fortunate enough, and I say fortunate because I'm vastly fortunate, to tell this story is something I will never forget and something I will always appreciate. So it feels great. Now, I know it sounds weird seeing that this is your memoir to sum up your life story here, but can you give our listeners a synopsis of the book? Absolutely. Um, It's about living with a condition called congenital adrenal hyperplasia, which is a really big sticky term for a real bunch of pain in the ass symptoms. Um, Excess hair growth, infertility, which tell that to my seven-year-old son who Brett has met, obesity (laughs) and male pattern balding in addition to everything else, including leaning Republican. Thank God I didn't get that. (laughs) Basically, I I was diagnosed at 10, but I wasn't treated until I was 30. So that's the arc of the story. But really what it's about is what makes you feel weird in the world. You know, when you walk into a room, what do you think about? Do you think, are they looking at me? Are they going to judge me? Like, what's going on here? And we've all had that to some degree. And that's really what the book is about. It's about saying what makes us weird also unites us in a sense. That's perfect. And that's something that we can all relate to. Now, the Allison that I've known since I was 16, I've never known you to be one who would mince words. I've always thought that you are just like the most fearless, confident, well-spoken person that I've encountered. In reading your book, I find that maybe that was like a suit of armor that you would put on. Did you find it tough to be as vulnerable as you are in the book? Yes. In a word, yes. It was something that I think over the years I developed a lot of layers. I should back up and say I was confident and somewhat fearless. But that was definitely developed in response to being vulnerable and being scared. And when you carry around, you know, we all have secrets, but when you carry it around in a very public facing, so to speak, way, you you can't really escape it. And so what I did was I really created these ways of saying, don't look at me. Don't look at what I, I don't want you to look at, you know, look at the humor Look at those saying something. I mean, I'm sure you heard me say many inappropriate things. And I I love that. Don't get me wrong. Like, I appreciate that. And I like that about myself. The fact is, I like myself. But the fact is that I was also vulnerable and scared. And when I learned that everybody is, that was a revolution for me, man. I never realized that other people felt the way I did. And when I realized that, that changed my life. And it seems that the story has a happy ending. You have a loving, hilarious husband, and I have to mention that his name is Adam Sandler. Yes, it is. Not that one, kids. (laughs) And you mentioned your adorable son, Bazzy. What's next? What do you have left to conquer? Oh, God. What do I have left to conquer? The the mountains I don't want to climb, the seas I don't want to swim. You know, what I really want to do is continue to write and continue to explore. And traveling is also a huge thing. Like I've traveled, but I want to travel a hell of a lot more. So those are two things. Like if I can continue to kind of explore the world and myself through my art and also travel that world and see it firsthand, I'm good. You know, I'm good. And, you know, if I can hang out with Barack Obama once or twice, I'd be thrilled. But hanging out with you all is up in that territory. So I'm doing good. Awesome. Hey, we're the next best thing to Brock. And I think Michelle Obama has a book club, doesn't she? Maybe that's Oprah. Maybe they both do. They I do. don't know. Yeah, they okay. do. Oprah does. I don't know about Michelle, but I think she might. I know Oprah does. And I've been thinking, God, that would be great. But don't we all think that? <laughs> you know? Hey, if anybody has connections out there to Oprah 
and or Michelle Obama. This is a book that deserves to be in said book club. Now, of course, this is a true story, but one of the things that I love about it is that it is engaging as any fiction. Do you see yourself writing fiction in the future? I see myself writing fiction currently. Good. It's something I'm doing right now. And awesome. I love it. It's so different, Brett. It's so different. It's just you can play with things in a way that you probably shouldn't in creative nonfiction. You know, you don't have to hew to the truth, whatever that is, as long as you're hewing to the emotional truth. I think that's the most important thing. I studied fiction in my graduate program at St. Mary's College of California. That's something that I feel very, very passionate about. But this memoir was always the story I wanted to tell. So that that sort of was born first. That's my first baby. And then we'll see what my second, third, twelfth babies are. I mean, they'll definitely be fiction, at least some of them. Now, I always wrote fiction. Well, again, because I don't have an interesting life story to tell, but also because I can barely remember last week as opposed to from the beginning of of time for me. So it amazes me that you were able to have that kind of sense of recall. I mean, was this book compiled through like journaling through the years or do you just have that good of a memory? Or is it your vision of your memory that, you know, maybe some parts are a little embellished? There's definitely I've taken liberties. I will admit that. And, you know, there's there's elements of craft that you can employ to, to do that. And I don't remember dialogue from when I was 16, although I remember things that you said, but I don't remember dialogue. You know, I don't remember necessarily the exact things that went on. But what I did do is seek the emotional truth and sort of build around that. I had journals. I had actually I was part of the newspaper and I remember using that a little bit. But mostly it was just built off of the memory of the emotional resonance of things that happened. That is to say that, no, the dialogue isn't necessarily 100 percent what it was. The characters may be a little bit, you know, skewed in use of the narrative. But the truth is there. Like, what happened is there. And and I I stand by that. You know, I remember when The New Yorker put David Sedaris to the fact-checking test. And the man failed. I mean, the man just failed. Yeah. Hopefully, I wouldn't fail. But I don't know that I'd entirely pass. So, I'll admit that. There are things that are embellished. There are things that are changed a little bit in service of what I wanted to tell. Because there's no way I can remember everything. Like you said, you know, you can't. Well, you and Greg are both going to be put to the test sometime during the show because I have created a world-famous O3L game for today. Oh, rock on. That I like to call the O3L lie detector. But before we get into lists and all that, we would love it if you would grace us with a passage from your book. I would love to grace you. Um, This is from Bearded Lady, and this is 1992. I wake up in a dorm room steps from the ocean. The walls are bare and blue. No character here yet. They need thumbtacks, scotch tape, posters. There are two sets of light pine furniture, two beds, two desks, two matching chairs, two closets that swing open to reveal mirrors. There is no privacy here. That prospect dogged me all summer, and now it is real. This is not my childhood home, with its doors and its locks, its separate spaces for all purposes. There are no places to run here, no nooks in which to hide. For a moment, the homesickness is so real that I feel it in my throat, my heart, lumps that block the body's business, interfering. There was no time for this when I was packing, pondering my imminent escape. All I felt was excitement. Now I am here, and the emotion is settling upon my shoulders. 
My life has changed forever. I am a grown-up. I am on my own. But am I really? It's not as though I turned 18 and got my union card. I went to college, a place with only a certain measure of independence. I'm living in a dorm room cleaned by maids. I'll be eating food prepared by kitchens, not by my own hands. There are no pets, no overnight guests without permission, no open flames. It's that weird middle ground, not a kid, but not quite a grown-up. Yesterday, my mother dropped me off and drove away, tears streaking her makeup into mush. I hadn't expected the display of emotion, and it felt strong in all directions. The pain of watching her suffer, but also the pleasure of watching her realize what's been lost. I've made a vow to myself. I will never go home again. Not to the place where I grew up, the home that now belongs to people I don't know and can't recognize. I will find my way in this midway place. I will make myself a home. But how can this be a home when I still hide within it? The dorm room is pocket-sized, but this is where I'll have to engage in my grooming rituals. There's no way I can use the communal bathrooms with their shared sinks. I can't put a razor to my face there, not unless I want someone walking in on me. And speaking of that someone, where is she? I know only two things about my roommate. Her name is Iris, and she's from Los Angeles. I do know this, though. Unless she's blind, tapping her cane within the tight confines of these walls, I need to be careful. I can't get caught. I think about the girls I saw heading into the dorm tower, bearing caboodles and dark tans, some more attractive than others. It's not the blatantly gorgeous ones who scare me. It's the normal girls. Will Iris be gorgeous or normal, or will she be, like me? I pull open my closet door and face the full-length mirror. Eight years after the doctor's visit, I'm still fleshy, with dark Brookshield's eyebrows and chubby cheeks. My fashion sense no longer runs to pop culture, but my jeans sometimes sport holes in the thighs. I pull my equipment from my suitcase. I heat water in my little four-cup Black & Decker coffee pot. The machine sends a thin cascade of water into its little carafe. When it's done, I pour the water into a UCSB mug. I press the plastic button on the shaving cream. It's cool, smooth, soothing. I follow my mother's instructions. Use the razor with a confident hand and it will glide, not bite. Wash and rinse your face. There, the cream's all off now. The shadow is subdued, but not gone. The foundation stick appears in your hand. Dot judiciously, blend with a careful forefinger. Stand back, observe. Not so bad. Not so bad. There's a dance going on in nearby Stork Plaza, a gathering that sends techno and hip-hop wafting through my open window, mingling with the scents of jasmine and eucalyptus. Who are these dancers? Do they have stories that are more interesting than the usual abortion and rehab tales? All the cool kids got pregnant and shot smack. That doesn't interest me. What interests me is the role of luck in life for them, for me. My father wished me good luck before he drove away. It was appropriate. In a way, my entire childhood was about luck. Luck is accidental. Luck either falls from the sky or worms its way up from the earth. In either event, it has nothing to do with your needs being met. Luck lies at arm's length. It is a distant relative, the one who thinks you're eight when you're really 15. It is real, but it is not real enough. Fantastic. Thank you. It is such a brilliant book. Please, everyone, check it out. Bearded Lady. And the, the, the subtitle to it is... When you're a woman with a beard, your secret is all over your face. 
There we go. There you go. Available from Amazon. I'm assuming the publisher. Anywhere Correct. you get books. Yeah, absolutely. And I noticed it's also on Scribd. I have a paper copy, but it's nice to like look at it on my phone. I didn't know it was on Scribd. It is on Scribd. Yes. Thank you. All right. You. Legal action. Legal action. Oh my god! I did not know. Now well, hopefully, know. you're getting a cut on it anytime anybody uh, opens up the digital copy. I get a cut on it every time breathe, someone breathes on it. Are you kidding? Hey, me? All, all right, right. <laughs> look at that, and there a smart businesswoman. All right. Well, Allison, congratulations on the book. We're through the highbrow stuff. Let's get to smut. Um, yes. Real quick here, I know that you're coming to us from Berkeley. And uh, when was the last time you were on Telegraph Avenue? And is it still the same as it was back in 1992? Because that's when I was last there. Really? Okay. Well, I was on Telegraph maybe a week or two ago getting Yogurt Park, which is, mm -hmm. as Brett's son will testify, the best yogurt in the world. Yep. It is amazing. And it probably hasn't changed since 1892. I yeah. mean, <laughs> Telegraph Ave is ridiculous. It is just like this throwback. It's crazy. And it's fabulous. I have to say, there are times I love yeah, it, I times it. I hate it. But no matter what, it's just phenomenal and that yogurt yeah. check it out well i yeah. love people watching and that's why sometimes i was walking around downtown phoenix last night after the library and um just to like see people just to see what people are doing and people taking selfies and you know people just trying to survive you have like this all this going on at the same time in berkeley what i remember of that campus now if you go to arizona state university it's just concrete sidewalks buildings kind of really just boring and utilitarian type thing. But at Berkeley, you go there, it's like on a hill and there's streams going through it and it's green and it's beautiful. And then you get on Telegraph Avenue and it's just some of the craziest <laughs> stuff you're ever going to see. I actually bought a T-shirt on Telegraph Avenue with a Bart Simpson smoking a bong. And then I had to <laughs> wow. mail it home because I was stationed at Treasure Island and uh, which is now no longer Treasure Island. I think it, it's public housing now i believe it is there's, yeah. there's a lot of house there's a lot of housing out there but i remember being out there and i couldn't take that back on the base with the bong on it then i'd be tested and they would want to give me anal probes to make sure i wasn't smoking the devil's weed so um i just remembered that that's my big story on telegraph avenue well they still have anal probes on, on treasure island you'll be happy to know oh well, good well gosh hey road trip yeah, all right. <laughs> Bring it on. I'll come with you. Let's uh, get a piece of that. <laughs> all right. And Amoeba's on Telegraph. Yes, sir. It sure is. And Rasputin. One of my happy places. Oh, and I have yeah. to give props to my son, Julian, who ran from class yesterday to try to get his dear old dad an acknowledged Jepsy, Carly Rae Jepsen's autograph at her appearance, only to find out that there were people that were camped out overnight, so he couldn't do it. But he tried. So thank you, Julian. Wow. Oh, look at that. You're a good man, Julian. Yes. yes. His father raised him right. Loves his dad. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Should we get into lists, Greg? We sh most certainly should. Of course, the top five honest songs. Yeah, we were talking about it. Uh, how, it, what did it mean to you? So is it a song with honest in the title? Is it, a, you know, part of the song? Uh, I just went with my black heart and I just went with things that I figured were honest to me or things that I connected with what I felt that the artist who either wrote it or sang it really meant it when they performed it or recorded it. So that's how I went on with my list of the top five honest songs. That's sound rationale. Would you like to start? Would I like to start? I will most definitely. And then Allison, with all uh, all apologies to Adam, you will be the meat in the middle. <laughs> 
So it means you go second. It's an honorable oh, place to be as that's our honorary. So awesome. Thoroughly is. <laughs> Lad, you are the meat in the middle. All right. Oh, so dang. kicking off my list of the top five honest songs. Um, back in the mid-90s, of course, Johnny Cash had a resurgence in his career. He did the song Hurt. He worked with Trent Reznor, but he also worked with Rick Rubin. And he did a Tom Waits song called Down There by the Train. I think it's a really a heartfelt call to stand and claim forgiveness. I mean, it's about sin and redemption. Um, it, and, and it was recorded in Rick Rubin's living room in Johnny Cash's cabin in Tennessee, which makes it even more special. But I just think that, uh, you know, if there is an afterlife, this is the way I hope that it is. You can hear the whistle. You can hear the bell from the halls of heaven to the gates of hell. And there's room for the forsaken if you're there on time. With this song, everybody, who, no matter who you are, what you've done, there's always time for redemption. So that's why, kicking off my list of the top five honest songs, Johnny Cash, Down There by the Train. Those Rick Rubin sessions are so good. Yeah, so that, I don't know, somehow it made my little black heart a little pinker when i listened Aww. to that song so, not much hey whoa 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 it went from you know well done to uh well probably <laughs> medium so let's not get too crazy hey progress is progress buddy <laughs> amen brother amen <laughs> all right allison all right my number five we're on number five correct yes number yes, five yes yes see here's you asked about my memory what memory um tracy chapman telling stories and there's a few reasons for that you know, of course, that's what I do. I tell stories. But more than that, it's really about the unreliability of a narrator and the fact that honesty resides in different ways, in different places for different people. And it has personal resonance for me within the story, definitely. But it's just the kind of thing where it's, I believe she wrote it for Alice Walker. I could be wrong. And it's very painful. It's very, it's, it's about the stories we tell ourselves. It's about the stories we tell each other. And it's about the stories that bind us, which is, you know, really meaningful to me. There is fiction in the space between you and reality. You will do and say anything to make your everyday life seem less mundane. There is fiction in the space between. It's one great one. Yeah, Tracy Chapman. And she's, she's a great storyteller. She's awesome. Yeah, that song, Fast Car, whenever you listen to that, it's just, it still just hypnotizes me. I remember that from a long time ago. Oh, me too. Yeah. Breaks your heart. Well, my number five, if Yoko Ono was president, and trust me, I would vote for her if it were an option, her approval rating had to be in the tank in 1974. Not only did the sting of the Beatles breakup still linger, and in those days, the running punchline was still that Yoko broke up the Beatles. <laughs> but in 1974, John and Yoko had separated for what is infamously referred to as the Lost Weekend. During this period, John was generally insufferable, belligerent, drunk, stoned, and debaucherous in L.A. with the group of celebrities who became known as the Hollywood Vampires. Of course, why wouldn't he enjoy his life a little, the public opined? He's finally free of the Dragon Lady, and what nerve she had to throw him out. But meanwhile, Yoko spent that time touring Japan, and by the way, a live album was just released from that tour, and it is fantastic. You'll come around, Greg. I was going to say. And she also... <laughs> 
recorded an intensely personal album entitled A Story, which didn't see the light of day until her Ono box in 1992. But one of those tracks was Yes, I'm a Witch, which is basically Yoko having a little bit of fun with her public image while still remaining totally honest. So over a funk rock backing, Yoko tells it like it is, yes, I'm a witch, I don't care what you say, my voice is real, my voice is truth, I don't fit in with your ways. I'm not gonna die for you, you might as well face the truth, I'm gonna stick around for quite a while. Powerful words for a woman who is still releasing powerful, challenging music and art well into her 80s. So I say, Yoko, if you're a witch, keep being a witch, sister. So mm. that's my number five. Wow. Amen. Hey, now, Brett, you may know this. Is it true that uh, Yoko introduced John to his mistress at that time so that when he went away, he would be taken care of by this other woman? And then when, you know, he came back, she had to go away and went back with Yoko. That is true. And I don't know whether the affair was intended or implicit or anything, but May Pang was a 22 year old assistant that was supposed to keep John company during this time. And yeah, it, it definitely, I would say, got out of hand. I don't know if that was Yoko's intention or not, but yeah, that is the truth. Wow. See, Allison Smut. I always bring it back up. But uh, I mean, I do think I'm looking to the Eastern world for a partner at some point, just for things like that. Hey, we're not together right now, but meet my friend. God, that's a that's kind of nice. Yeah, dream big, buddy. Maybe, uh, maybe Yoko can hook you up. <laughs> yeah. And I also want to thank Yoko. I know she kept a lot of people uh, wanting to be locked down with her music throughout the whole pandemic. So thank you, Yoko. Oh, I to go gosh. to a record store. You hurt me. I, I you hurt me, Greg. Well, I try. You know, I, I really and there are some songs that I bet you that I would listen to and like. But every time I hear it, I get stopped up. I feel constipated. Yoko's singing. It's just like, I don't know, man. It's just I, I, I just I haven't connected with any of it yet. Um, it sounds like murder to me, but and oh, I'm totally gosh. against murder. So that's just where I stand. Actually, the one of the most honest songs I have ever heard from anybody, but it fell outside of the O3L era, which we started in 1974. This song is from 1973, but it's a song called Alternately Age 39 or Looking Over From My Hotel Window or something like that. And it's it's just this, this brutally honest song about Yoko looking out and just feeling like this total outsider and feeling suicidal and all that. It's just a chilling, beautiful song. And it's beautifully sung too. So anybody that thinks that Yoko can't sing, listen to this song. Yes. Age 39, feeling pretty suicidal. The weight gets heavier when you've bled 30 years. Show me your blood, John. I'll show you my I digress. Now, okay. I, now that I'm off my Yoko high horse. All right. Well, that was a good one. And thank you for, for defending her. I will defend her till my very bitter end. All right. That's a good Darn man. It. See, right. Allison was right. You are a good man. Oh, thanks. I'm All always right. right. 
You learn that. You're always right. (laughs) This we know. All right. Well, at number four for me is a song that I've loved for a very, very long time. I remember seeing this video on MTV and instantly connecting with it. It makes you aware of like the masters above us. And like some people say the Illuminati and conspiracy theory. But I think there really are bankers out there and people who aim society in a certain direction. And the song from Lords of the New Church, Open Your Eyes. That's kind of like they were firing a warning of things to come. And darn it, if it's not true at this point, you know, talking about the video games and then you have these incels stuck in their basement. And that's all they do. And then they freak out at some point. But um, Lords of the New Church, open your eyes. That's a song that I think is very honest to me, and I like it a lot. Great song. And to think in that time, they were probably like referring to Frogger. Or, well, probably like Atari. Remember yeah. uh, oh, when we first evil. had the very, oh, God, what was, it was Pong. That was like, <sighs> refers at home. And basically you could play, you just move like these, like things up and down. And so you could play tennis, you could play hockey, and kind of the borders would change. But I mean, if kids only knew what we had to go through, walking uphill to school both ways, no <laughs> shoes, jackets weren't invented yet. And then we had Pong. Uh, now look what they have. They're very, very fortunate. I think it's safe to say that the breakdown of the moral fabric of society started with Pong. I see. There you go. I think so. Atari. What is that in <laughs> Japanese? Is that like destruction of the human race? Something like that? Yes, I believe that's the literal translation. Yeah, yes. I think so. Could be. Brett, that's something you would have said at 16, too. That's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Men I stand by it. We do not progress. <laughs> oh. That's one thing I have not changed in 30 some odd years. Oh, no, I love it. I love it. All right, Allison, number four for you. Number four is Nirvana, All Apologies. There's something about that song. There's something guttural about it. There's something primal about it. You know, whenever I hear it, I kind of go to this kind of gut feeling. I'm thinking about the lyrics. What else can I say? Everyone is gay. I remember making fun of that when I was a kid because I was an idiot and still am. What else should I be? All apologies. Like, there's something significant about that. It's a deceptively simple song. But it's not. It is honest. It is. He's basically, like, putting himself out there and just saying, hey, sorry, dude. This is what it is. I mean, my interpretation of the song is, well, of course it's right, but it's not necessarily (laughs) right. You know, and I I just think that Cobain really gets it out there. And and that's what I love about him. And that's what I love about this song. Do you think maybe that's why addiction came into his life? Because he was in so much pain? Absolutely. You can see, yeah. Absolutely. That's the, the addict in him which was huge and basically did him in, to be honest. See, I was friends with uh, Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park. And then Mm. after he committed suicide in 2017, like you go back and listen to his lyrics or just even his band names, Dead by Sunrise and everything. So many metaphors. Yeah, it's just so crazy the way I would all. And I think Kurt Cobain, you see a lot of that in his music too. Absolutely. Totally. That's a good point. There's a lot of things that reveal themselves too in retrospect 
right? That maybe you didn't hear at the time, but afterwards it's like, yeah, that kind of all makes sense now. Yeah. It's like hindsight's 2020. Like you could like start tying things together. Like, Ooh, ah, but as human beings, Mm -hmm. or even sometimes we're just stuck in our own bubble that we don't see it. And then when it's all served up on that platter, I guess you call it like, you know, it's served up on that shit sandwich and you're just like going, yep. Hmm. Yep didn't see it yeah and it's something that you you have to have like an end point to start to understand it unfortunately for a lot of these people that the end point is death and then we can start to comprehend what the hell they went through but i wish it didn't have to be that way well this is uplifting yeah hey all right brett what's your number four (laughs) well i'm afraid that i'm not going to lighten the mood any because lou reed's 1982 album the blue mask was heralded as a stunning return to form. So he released a couple of subpar albums, The Bells and Growing Up in Public, 1979 and 1980. So The Blue Mask was not only his best record since 1978's Street Hassle, but possibly contained some of his most introspective music since the Velvet Underground days. So one of those songs was a very honest account of drug-addled paranoia called Waves of Fear. So the track was aided and abetted by legendary Velvet Underground taper and Richard Hell and the Voidoids guitarist Robert Quine. And so you can hear in this track the two guitar heroes sound as if they're strangling their instruments in a valiant attempt to free themselves from the self-imposed claustrophobia of the soundscape they've created. Waves of fear attack in the night. Waves of revulsion, sickening sights. It's kind of interesting the way that this record was recorded because Lou's guitar is in one channel, Robert's guitar is in the other. So it always sounds as like the guitars are battling each other for the same airspace. Reed, we all know he would sing in this monochrome that often suggested that he really couldn't be bothered, but he sounds like a man possessed by his demons here. Waves of fear squat on the floor looking for some pill. The liquor is gone. Blood drips from my nose. I can barely breathe waves of fear i'm too scared to leave so the waves of fear throughout the song continue to engulf him until he resolves that i curse my tremors i jump at my own step i cringe at my tear i hate my own smell i know where i must be i must be in hell yowza party of one at lou's place wow. all right well i'm not bringing up the mood any but it, it is an intensely personal honest song my number four lou reed waves of fear a good one that's a good one it's a good one. You know, I always think of that, you know, but sometimes honesty is pain, right? Yep. Yeah. Because, Absolutely. Because our image truth and our truth sometimes is so different. And um, I don't know. It's like sometimes like, you know, like they say the people who smile the biggest are the most sad, you know? And so it's kind of like that whole thing there, you know, and look at, oh, you're not the most sad, Brett. Brett oh. had a big smile. He had a Kool-Aid oh. smile. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tears of a clown. Yeah. Well, you know, the guy went to like 17 concerts this week. So tell us all the concerts you went to this week. Brett. Well, it, it was only two. And I did go to Carly Rae Jepsen again. Yes, I'm a Jepsy. So call me maybe. Yes, but so much more. After call me maybe she she has become like one of the best cult pop icons. So that was fantastic. So the whole thing was for Paisley's 12th birthday. 
we were doing back-to-back concerts in LA. The one that she really got excited about was her favorite band, Panic at the Disco. I wanted to go for, the opening act was Marina, formerly known as Marina and the Diamonds, another one of my favorite acts. So I really wanted to see Marina. Panic at the Disco was a band that irritated me whenever Paisley would play them in the car. I'm like, ah, but it was a really good show. Very good theatrics, really good stage presence. Brandon Yuri, who I guess essentially is Panic at the Disco now he works hard for those two hours on stage so i I came out of there with a lot more respect for them nice that that happened with me at brian adams my very first concert journey june 1983 brian adams was the opening act and of course on mtv cuts like a knife was and i wasn't into it you know cuts like a knife feels all right you know it's like whatever (laughs) you know but then i went and saw him in concert and i was blown away what a performer so very very much so then i was a fan of his ever since this week, I actually went to a club show and oh, I nice. went and saw a band named Pilot. They're very big in Europe, kind of like Depeche Mode uh, BDSM. Did I say that right, Brett? I know you know. BDSM? <laughs> Isn't that like at yeah, Bondage and something else? Oh, okay. I, well, that, that was where my mind went. I was okay. like, uh, is that what you Bondage, mean? sadomasochism. Yeah. B- oh, wait. Bondage, domination, sadomasochism. It's what I do on Thursday nights. Awesome. Hey, yeah, there you go. That, yeah. Why do you think I would know this, Greg? <laughs> well, just because I threw it out there. But they would wear like, I don't know, like they're like wearing like helmets and stuff, but they're almost like Sleaford Wads where they have like a DJ, but they're singing. Very cool. 35 million followers in Europe. Their very <laughs> first tour in America. So I saw them. They're kind of like a Depeche Mode, kind of more edgier type metal type thing. Interesting. It was really cool. And then I saw Julian K. They're good. Uh, guys from Orgy. Admir and Ryan. And so I went and saw them in a little club and they played Vegas on Saturday night, but on Friday nights when I went and saw that show. So that was my music fun this weekend. If anybody cares. I was all very frothy pop. You were very hardcore. I was, but it was fun. That's kind of indicative of uh, the divide between us, Greg. A little bit. Yeah. No, I mean, but like, you know, cause I like a lot of power pop, but you've introduced me to a lot of great stuff that I really enjoy. And I don't think I've introduced you to anything that you enjoy. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't have to tell you, but you know, Hey, I try. <laughs> no, well, I, I try. I don't, oh, I, you know, I, I, I didn't come through this time, but I'll, I'll, I'll continue trying. I give everything you suggest a good college try and name one thing that I've maybe said, give it a try. And you're like, this is this is good. I'm sorry I missed this. Well, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm stuck <laughs> in my Allison. ways at this point. So I will say Machines of Loving Grace is one who I really paid virtually no attention to. There are some songs that I've listened to by them that that I actually, yes. I, you know, I, I like this when they get a little harder edge. I'm like, mm, it, it kind of turns me off. But there's some songs like on that first album where, where it's more like electronic based mm-hmm. that I really dig. Very cool. There we go. So I'll give out you of, that one. Out of Tucson, Arizona, my Homer pick for this week, Machines of Loving Grace. There you go. Hey, should we lighten the mood with a game? Let's do it. Let's do it. We are going to play O3L Lie Detector, the most questionably honest game on the planet. <laughs> we'll start half now and then we'll do half going into the next break. The game is simple. I'm going to rattle off some statements about classic alternative music, some of which are true, and some of which are complete and utter lies. You will both answer each one. You will tell me whether you think the statement is true or false. You get one point for each correct answer. And the player who is best at deciphering the truth at the end of the game wins nothing but respect and admiration. Awesome. (laughs) You do get extra respect and admiration if you call me out on my lies 
with as much derision as you can cough up and you hurl insults at me and all that. So players, are you ready? Ready. Sort of. Number one. So you'll each have an opportunity to answer it. Now, I did. It did not occur to me that if you both give me the same answers to everyone, that could be a problem. But anyway, Allison, we could team up and get respect and admiration together or we can compete. No. If you do that, neither of you get my respect nor <laughs> All right. admiration. All right, let's just All okay. Right. All right, okay. We'll play Number by the rule. Number one, Green Day's Good Riddance was written in response to a high school fan's request for Billy Joe Armstrong to write their graduation song. Allison, you can go first as our guest. I'm going to say false. Okay. Greg? I will say that is true because Billy Joe is kind of that type of guy. Well, Allison gets the point for that one. Uh, it is false. It was written for a girlfriend who broke up with him and moved to Ecuador. I knew that. Well, number two, Weezer's Buddy Holly was originally written with Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire in the chorus instead of Buddy Holly and Mary Tyler Moore. Allison? I'll say true. Greg? That can't be true, you scuzzy liar. Ooh, I love the insult. You get a little bonus for that. All right. But Allison gets another point oh, for that God. one. That what? is true. Oh, man. There we go. Man. There we nice. go. Ooh, ooh. And this wasn't Buddy Holly and Mary ooh, Tyler Moore. Ooh, you look just like Ginger Rogers. Oh, Ginger oh, Rogers. And I, I dance like Fred Astaire. That was the original course. Wow. That's totally go. not good. I, 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 I like what they went with. Uh, yes. The they made the right choice. Yes. All right, number three, the voice actors for SpongeBob SquarePants and Karen Plankton feature in the Smashing Pumpkins video for Tonight Tonight. Oh, man, that's hard. Um, I feel like that's true. Can I still hurl derision at you, though? Yes, you can. Nah, I'm not good. I'll, I'll hold off. All right. Well, um, I have again, uh, this is why I'm so great at relationships, because my truth meter is so crappy. But I'm going to go with Allison because she seems to be batting a thousand at this point. <laughs> and so let's I'll say true. Also, you pain in the ass. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're working on the extra credit. That is true. You both get a point. for Yeah. That. And right. I had no idea. I just went with Allison because she's very way smarter than me. That is great. Uh, I don't know about that, but I'll take the credit. <laughs> All right. Number four. Wayne Coyne of the Flaming Lips worked as a cook at Taco Bell from 1977 to 1990, six years after the Lips' first record. Oh, man. I'm going to go with false because there's so many specifics in that one. I don't know. I'll say false. All right, Greg. I am going to go also false, you odious toad. Wow. Okay. Well, you both get a point for that. All right. It is false. (laughs) But here's the reason why. It was a bit of a trick. He actually did work as a cook from 1977 to 1990, but it was at Long John Silver's. Wow. So for 13 years, 13 years, he worked at fast food. Did he own it? Did he have a piece of it? He just worked as a cook. No, but I mean, let's face it. Wayne Coyne has probably spent 98% of his adult life fried on acid. So where else are you going to work when you're totally like tripping out of your gourd? Long John Silver's, of course. Yeah. Long John Silver's. Think of that the next time you get a a filet of fish. You know, I do enjoy eating there once in a great while. Yeah. It's very, very greasy, though. And you it's feel very like, greasy. Yeah. But if you're ever like having problems with constipation, maybe you broke your arm, you've been on opioids and you haven't had a bomb movement or you haven't dropped a bomb in quite some time. Long John Silver's is the key. It's the non-medical way to do it, along with chorizo. 
because the Hispanic Mexican people got it right the first time. So, <laughs> but that fish dipped in that batter. And then, I mean, even the plates glisten with the oil, but it does oh. taste good dipped in mm. that ketchup. Mm. And sounds good too. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm ready for, I'm, I'm ready to eat now. Well, thank you, Mr. Silver. And thank you, Latinxes everywhere. <laughs> All right. Number five, last one we will do. And then uh, we'll resume before the I'm next break. Killed here. You are getting killed. I know, it is I Allison. Know. Just in case anybody's curious, it is Allison for Greg too. All right. I think you're almost mathematically eliminated, Greg, but not quite. No. All right. Number five, Pearl Jam named their debut album 10 after New Jersey Nets basketball player Mookie Blaylock's jersey number. Allison. I'm going to go with true. And I am going to go with True also because I know they even have a song. And, or, or, or that was like the pseudonym before they were Pearl Jam was Mookie Blaylock, Man. right? You know your Pearl Jam. All right, you both get points for that one. What? Five, three. All right, five, three. And we will resume O3L Lie Detector. <laughs> the most questionably honest game on the planet after this. I don't know. After a word from our sponsors. <laughs> there you go. Hi, I'm Jeff Murphy from Shoes, and you are listening to Only Three Lands Podcast. We are back. It's the Only Three Lads Podcast. Don't forget, we are on a bunch of different platforms, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple, the iHeartRadio app. You can always Google the Only Three Lads Podcast. We're right there. And if you have a smart speaker, just say, hey, play the Only Three Lads Podcast. And we're hanging out talking about classic alternative music like we do every week because one thing for sure we may not have nailed this down but brett and i are consistent we are uh brett, we got that going for brett's us Brett's consistent thank god for brett and brett we trust we got to get that t-shirt well up. you're regular apparently <laughs> well yeah well that's well it just depends on what you eat you know again long john silvers phew, you go get a chorizo burrito phew, you know this episode brought to you by chorizo yes this episode brought to you by chorizo when you're feeling stopped up and a little bit heavy guess what your colon could be cleaned i got the whole thing <laughs> down hey look at that there's a council for everything right so there is probably a chorizo council of america that we might be able to get in with could be you never know they'd be a lot of fun if anybody has any ties to chorizo oprah and or michelle obama please let us know yeah that would be a special person yes <laughs> if, you, if you have connections to all three bonus points <laughs> just think allison's eating a chorizo burrito with god who would would you want them both there if you could only pick one between michelle obama or oprah oh you're doing this to me are you kidding yes. me oh this is about geez. honesty this is an honesty one so it'd have to be michelle and the really? reason is that my husband always always wanted to get with her so I kind of uh. want to check out why. <laughs> it's her arms. It's those arms. Her guns. Yeah. 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 But, but that, I mean, that's nice for you. That is a good wife to check out your husband's hall pass before turning him loose. Well, it's like May Pang, you know? Yeah. Ex- Call you back. are his Yoko. You're right. I am his Yoko I Ono. I didn't think of it that way. I, I never did till right now. Yeah. Let Adam know his lost weekend is uh, <laughs> is going to start soon. Oh, my God. His lost weekend would be watching ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> All day. All day. Being delivered. Exactly. That would be see. his lost weekend. <laughs> see, that's see, see, guys are so easy. It's like, what would be a lost weekend? Well, I'd like to just do exactly what I want to do. Deliver food. 
that you know simple yeah. and then you ask you you ask you know your significant other a woman going hey so what exactly would be your perfect weekend and it takes about 15 minutes for them to get down to every minute detail well i get my toes done then i would want you know like my nails done but i would would, would they be chromatic or would i do different things on both sides and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, well, dude, what? i don't know i think we've determined that my lost weekend would consist of listening to Carly Rae Jepsen records and crying myself to sleep. No, here's your lost weekend, Brett. Your lost weekend would be going to every record store within mm, probably yeah. a 50 mile radius. True. And then you would uh, go for a hike. This all sounds heavenly so far. Yes. And then uh, you, Cindy, Paisley, Julian would probably all go get ice cream somewhere. Okay. You know, well, with a little this, this sounds like a pleasant time. Yeah, sprinkles. And because you only have so much time, Julian's already, just like Allison writing that about her mother, caked up, you know, makeup. She's, your you know, wife has done that for Julian. And Paisley's 12 now. 12? Yep. 12? Yep, 12. 12. Dun, Hard to believe. Dun, dun. You know, and, and you're going to blink and she's going to be 18 and she's yeah. going to be getting her uh, Pulitzer Surprise. Uh, did I say that right? That's a surprise. surprise. That Pulitzer would be a surprise. Prize. That'd be a huge Pulitzer surprise um, for for her writing, <laughs> and so and that's going to happen within just a few years because Paisley's an intense reader. Wow, she is. Yeah, I she sent her is. books. I got to send her another book. So re- remind me to uh, get your address. I want to make sure I send it to the right place. I, I'm going to wait a few years to let her borrow a bearded lady. <laughs> might be a but good idea. Might be a little bit, yeah, too much mm. for her right now. I think so. Uh, but I would like to think that my lost weekend would, after the ice cream, would then turn into snorting lines of coke while banging my assistant. Wow. <laughs> wow. Where did that we come all from? have dreams, Vargo? We all have dreams. <laughs> I. I think you might have just channeled me through that potty well, mouth. I, I mean, you know, you've painted this whole Pollyanna picture, so I figured I better smut it up a little bit. And yeah. yes, I was channeling you. Yeah. Wow. It is true. I mean, and, and I am not saying that drugs are good, but I am saying at times they are a lot of fun. Hey, I live in Berkeley. I'm going to echo that. <laughs> yeah, <they are. laughs> but just say no, kids. Just say no. Just say no. Let's say yes to lists. Yes. Our top five honest songs. And we are at number three and uh, talking about drugs. This song at my number three is one that's really heavy to listen to because all of us can either somehow connect because we have been through addiction or we are the collateral damage of addiction. And so this song really hit me right in the feelers. In my number three song, Mark Hollis wrote it about his brother, Ed Hollis, who was addicted to heroin. And of course, Ed died the same month this song and the Talk Talk album Spirit of Eden was released. The song is I Believe in You. You listen to this song and you put it through the filter of that and then put it through maybe the filter if you've known somebody who's had problems with drugs or if, again, you are the collateral damage of drugs and it just hits you like a brick. And so talk about an honest song. I really felt it. So that's why it's at number three for me. Talk Talk. I Believe in You. That's uplifting there, Greg. Well, yeah. it's honesty. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. You know. It's like, hey, honestly, you know, yeah. Hey, I, um, you know, my last weekend was, you know, go to the nail salon and watch the girls get a pedicure because 
I have issues. Okay, but that would that would be the start of my last weekend, which I would really love. And um, <laughs> see, see, Allison, you know, you're talking about sharing <laughs> things, being vulnerable. That is honest. I, I, you know, sorry. But what's the higher theme? That's my question. There's got to the be a higher theme. theme. Mm-hmm. Voyeurism uh, is cool. Yeah, um, that's a good know. higher theme. I'm, I'm a pig. <laughs> um, I could tell you exactly when my foot fetish started. Uh, fifth grade. <laughs> oh, um, oh, see, Allison finally. Um, yeah, I, I, I tend oh. to overshare on this podcast. Um, <laughs> Please it happens do it all the time. But I'm just being honest. And again, you know how yes. like, you're talking about. Uh, sometimes putting things out there and you're like, whoa, 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 I shouldn't have said that. I don't have that filter. Shame is sometimes I just laugh at it and I was like, well, sometimes I just like regurgitate everything on the table. But what I have learned in my old age is that people around me who did this with me, sometimes they don't want their business regurgitated on that table. Mm -hmm. So I just have to make sure and put those boundaries on and only talk about myself and not who was with me at the time. Amen. Sometimes that's really helpful. Yeah. Except Roberta, mm. the girl you made out with when you were 16 to the violent. Femmes. Yeah, we talked about that last yeah. week. Yeah, the violent femmes. Yep. Added up. Her her identity has not been protected. Yeah. See, Sorry, that, Roberta. And and I thought about that last week. I shouldn't have used her name because then she could like, do, you know, plausible deniability. She could say, oh, that wasn't me. Yeah. You know, who knows where no, she's no, at in life. Nobody and, would admit to that. Right. And exactly. And it's like, why? Why did I put that? poor lady through this you know she could be at home having a great time and then like her son who's now 17 my, my friend's dad was listening to this podcast this weirdo uncle greg from no. phoenix and she said roberta and mom didn't you go to washington high school and then her whole life and her whole day gets ruined because of me and i didn't like that so i i apologize but hey you know what i'm getting out of that what we've got another podcast listener <laughs> exactly <laughs> here we go and All we right. shall now call her graham cracker yes so nobody knows who she is. I like graham crackers too, especially in milk. What about yeah. s'mores? S'mores are awesome. S'mores are awesome. They are really good, but sometimes I don't know. The uh, for me, the marshmallow is it has to be just right. Yes, I well, agree with if that. If it's too true. chewy, then it's like. Ugh. Do you char your marshmallow? I I would yeah, because I like a little crust. <laughs> kind of. That's like, a you personal know, question. Allison's mind is going somewhere <laughs> yeah. else with this. It's a seriously personal question. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we know the answer is yes. Yes, of course. All Who right. doesn't char their marshmallow? Come on. Oh, good point, Allison. Right. You're number three. I'm number three. All right. So my number three is bearded at bearded Jesus. Uh, bare naked ladies, Brian Wilson. They write a lot about depression, and they do it in this really interesting way, where it's like they will often mask it with very happy sounding music and. You know, like pin. I think, is it pinch me? Like, it's. Uh, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm. I'm totally off base here. Brian Wilson is just straight up like lying in bed, just like Brian Wilson did. I had a dream that I was 300 pounds, and though I was very heavy, I. Shit, I don't remember that last lyric. It's something about leaving the ground, and it's basically that would have been a good lyric, though. That would have been an amazing lyric, and like, how the hell am I coming up with this? bullshit but basically it's just about it's about depression it's about being stuck in your own mock and in your own heaviness and in your own weight and that's what happened to brian wilson and that's clearly what happened to the guys who wrote this
I mean, just, you know, not being able to get out of it. And they don't bother to mask it. That's what I love about this song. There's no masking here. It's just what it is. And that, that to me is honesty. Very cool. Awesome. For that, we will forgive them for that annoying one week song. Oh, yes. All is forgiven, Bare Naked Ladies. And they also did a song called Be My Yoko Ono, right? Yes, they did. Be My my Yoko Ono. Full circle. Oh, there you go. Full circle. Well, my next pick is a beautiful, somber song that was the third single from Blur's 1999 album 13 called No Distance Left to Run. It's a song that Damon Albarn wrote about his breakup with longtime girlfriend Justine Frischman from Elastica. It's a song so powerful that the writer himself said, It upsets me, that song. To sing that lyric, I really had to accept that that was the end of something in my life. It's amazing when you have the guts to do that with your work because it don't half help you. And I realize that saying that with an American accent doesn't quite come out the same. Over the plaintive cry of Graham Coxon's spare but unconventional guitar, Damon works out his tangled web of emotions in song. It's over. You don't need to tell me. I hope you're with someone who makes you feel safe when you're sleeping tonight. I won't kill myself trying to stay in your life. I got no distance left to run. I'm going to use this word again because there's a vulnerability on display here that can't be easy to muster. When you see me, please turn your back and walk away. I don't want to see you because I know the dreams that you keep as well. And it's occurred to me that maybe it's not actually honesty, but rather Albarn conveying a stiff upper lip altruism or trying to convince himself that it's what he wants to believe. But there's a sincerity in his vocal delivery that he just can't hide. It's as close to the blues as Blur ever got. And it's a great one. So number three, No Distance Left to Run by Blur. Can't go wrong with Blur. Cannot go wrong with Blur. That's been my life motto. Yes. It's a hell of a motto. It really is. It was that and Coke and assistance, but you know, yeah, I think the, the blur line is probably better. Yes. I've been listening to a lot of gorillas lately. Ooh. Yeah. The they have a cracker. new record coming out uh, in a few months. Well, they just came through Phoenix. I was going to go, but it was on a school night. So I decided yeah. not to, but like that song cracker Island, mm-hmm. I just cannot get enough of it. Love it. It's a good one. It's a good one. So here we go. My number two honest song. It's a song about infidelity. A guy comes clean after cheating on his girl and telling her that when she left this void, he had a fill and that's why he cheated. But then she confesses to him, she wasn't honest and she cheated too because she's human too. Of course, it's Human League's Human. 1986, that song was a great song. And I remember when it first came out, probably too young to really grasp everything on it. But as you listen to it now, I'm only human. I think uh, a lot of us can really, kind of connect with that song and not if it's cheating but just our failures and uh, again another uplifting honest song that i picked but i just love it and i still listen to it regularly because uh, believe it or not brett i'm flawed i'm a little bit flawed a little bit no there. no yeah i, I, I you know Pashaw, I'm, I'm just Gregory. trying to be honest just trying to be honest but that is my number two song this week human league human I've never listened. 
I guess, to the lyrics of that song. I mean, I know I could probably sing the chorus, but um, yeah, I'm only human of flesh and blood, a man. Only human. But if I could recount all of the times that that song was played for slow dances at junior high dances. Yes. Yes. Wow. It uh, it really takes on a different meaning now that you've explained it. Right. And then you got to rub your junk against, you know, a young female and, and she got to go. rub her junk against you back <laughs> to the smut. There we go. So, yeah. It's Any it hint of sensitivity circle. is immediately obliterated. <laughs> Thank God. Feelings are for wussies, man. You have feelings, what are they for? What are they good for? Absolutely Ooh, nothing. Do say it, it again. Yes. Sorry, well, Allison. I you, you care to follow that like, up, Allison? Yeah. Don't apologize, man. Don't apologize. If there was no smut, that's the only reason to apologize. All right. So I'm all with that. So my number two is John Lennon watching the wheels because Ooh. it's no bullshit. It's just like, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. You like it or you don't. You know, like they people say I'm crazy doing what I'm doing. People say I'm crazy. He just kind of comes out with it and he's like, this is, and I think at the time he was hanging out at the Dakota and he was watching Sean and he wasn't, I don't, I mean, he was recording, but he was being a dad. And I think he was just like, this is where I'm at and this is what my life is. Of course it was more complex than that. I mean, everything is. But I really, really liked the idea of, I'm just sitting here watching the wheels go round and round. I really love to watch them roll. Who the hell doesn't feel like that from time to time? I feel like that all the time. All I want to do is stare at the wall. Of course, I have a seven-year-old and I can't do it all that much. But, you know, it's just, you just want to stop life sometimes and live it the way you need to live it. And I think he did that. Do you think maybe that was his, like the wheels on the bus go round and round, and he was ready to bang his head against the wall. So he's like, I got to make an adult version of this. Certainly possible. I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. Well, here's the thing about Double Fantasy and what makes it such a bittersweet album, because it is truly a, a beautiful album. And again, going back to Yoko. So the whole album is imagined as this dialogue between the couple. Half the songs are John's, half the songs are Yoko's. And they're all phenomenal songs. But with John's songs, you get this picture of, like Allison said, this is where I am with my life. I have no regrets. I'm playing with my son, which I never had the opportunity to do with my son, Julian, because I'm speaking as John, not my son, Julian, because, you know, I was a I was a Beatle at the time. Right. So I wasted one child's childhood. I'm going to take full advantage of what I have here. I've you know essentially retired from the public eye. I'm going to bake bread. I'm going to do all the things, you know, a, a house husband should do. So you get the sense of domestic bliss kind of from John's songs. Yoko's songs, on the other hand, are very like hard as nails and she incorporates like a lot of, you know, new wave and punk rock textures to the songs. And it's kind of like diametrically opposed to John's songs. But just hearing how content John was and he was getting clean and had a vegetarian diet and all that, you know, and then it was all cut short all too soon. And I've kind of read the books and I kind of connected with that because my son was born when I was 35. And for the first 18 months, I was his his his, his mom, dad, everything. And I yeah. and, and that's when I was doing an afternoon show. So I saved a lot of money so I didn't have to work a whole lot. So I was basically a stay at home dad for like 18 months. And so I really connected with what 
like that was what he was talking about. He did it for five years because Sean was born when he was 35. Mm-hmm. And then he started working near the end of that. And of course, coming full circle with Yoko Ono, of course, right about that time, he was absolutely just about broke. Yoko Ono kind of took over the finances of the family. And uh, again, with her brain uh, and her tiger mom, tough as nails stuff, uh, rebuilt the family fortune. I don't know how she did it, but it wasn't her music. I know that. But from uh, her very smart, from, from her smart investments. So she's a very savvy lady. Very, very smart lady. Yes, absolutely. And I believe you owe us an apology. That was very smut free. Um, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, um, let's see here. Let's see what I can add to it. So when he was um, a stay-at-home dad, you know, sometimes, you know, he, he, he took care of his wife when she came home, when bringing home the bacon. He was like a Stepford husband. And so he glossed up and has, I don't know where I'm going with any of that. Yeah, he brought, he brought <laughs> home the bacon to her. Yeah. yeah all right. She, she bought thank it to him. No, oh, whatever. Yeah. It well, all worked you. out in the end. That was, a, that was a heartfelt apology and great oh, choice, Alice. And I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my number two is the title track from Neil Young's 1975 album, Tonight's the Night. The entirety of the sessions were haunted by the specters of two of Young's cronies who died of drug overdoses during that time, Crazy Horse guitarist Danny Whitten and roadie Bruce Berry. So Tonight's the Night is specifically the chilling tale of Bruce Berry, and in a voice that was even shakier than usual, Young sings of the working man who used to load that Econoline van, the man who used to have a sparkle in his eye and would sing a lonely song on Young's guitar after everyone else had left the building. That promise was shot down one night when Young got the shocking phone call when he heard that Barry had died out on the main line, in other words, intravenously. Bruce Barry was a working man, he used to load that But here's the thing about the song. The lyrics don't go into a lot of detail about Bruce Berry's life. I think there's two verses, all very like on the surface type stuff. You get that he was a roadie. You get that he died of a drug overdose. But what is more revealing about the track is what's in between the verses. Neil and band sing the simple refrain of tonight's the night over and over again, exposing warts and all. And you can sense all the horror, dread, and disbelief as it grows in intensity with just those three words. And as critic Dave Marsh wrote, sometimes as though he's railing against mortality itself, sometimes as though he's accepted it. So the band plays loose and tentative as if they were on stage at a bar playing to a couple of drunk patrons and figuring out the song as they went along, much like they were trying to figure out these tragedies that had befallen them. So there's no polish, just pure, crude emotion. And if that ain't honest, I don't know what is. That's my number two, Neil Young, Tonight's the Night. Nice. Thank Amen. You. Amen. Amen. And I yes. apologize. That was, yes, that was sure. smut free too. That was smut free too? That was smut free too. All right. Well, we'll, you know what? Sometimes, you know, it's kind of like a pixie song. Sometimes you kind of just go low and then you get high. It's that dynamic, so it's smut-free right there. But we're waiting for number one from you. I'm sure it's full of smut. Oh, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. But you know what is full of smut? The game that we're going to yes, be playing here. Yes. That's right. That and I'm now losing. for the exciting conclusion of O3L Lie Detector, the most questionably honest game on the planet, if I did not mention that already, oh, which I believe I did. Yes, yes. you did. Are we ready? 
I'm almost mathematically eliminated, so you are. Allison, yes. Good luck. I don't know. I'm getting nervous, guys. Well, it, it is definitely something to be nervous about. But just in case, Allison right now has a clean sweep. She got the first five right. Wow. Greg, you got you got three. So you know, yeah, there's yeah. still a little hope for you. Maybe you bat in seven fifty. You're making it into the Hall of Fame, as they say. Yep. Hey. Here is the first one in the second part. The strings on R.E.M.'s Automatic for the People album were arranged by Led Zeppelin's Jimmy Page because the band wanted the exotic sound that Zepp achieved on physical graffiti. Why not? Sure. All right. I'm, I'm, yeah, true. All right. Well, I got to try and make up some room. So uh, you potted plant. I'm going to say false. There's no way. Plant. All right. Well, it was almost very nearly true. But Greg, you do get the point for that one because it was Led Zeppelin's John Paul Jones who did the string arrangement. Ah. There we go. I just lucked out. That was a guess. Well, that was very strategic of you. Yeah. So now it's uh, five to four. Five to four. This is getting good. All right. Next. Courtney Love was once the lead singer for Faith No More. Allison. No, I'm going to go with false. All right, Greg. You, you, Chrysanthemum. I don't know why I just called okay. it yeah. <laughs> Because he's a dainty flower. Well, that's, that's, that's very cute. Yes. And I'm going to say, you window licker, false. She was. Wow. That is, that is absolutely true. In the early 80s, she was, for a very short time, the lead singer for Faith No More. Before Mike Patton or whatever the heck his name was. Well, Mike Patton was the guy who did the... Yeah, you know, yeah. Where they got famous. But, the, you know, the guy who sang We Care A Lot. I can't think of his name right now. was another dude. was another dude. So there was. Yeah. So I guess there was three singers in that band. Courtney Love, that other dude, and then Mike. Yep. Who's still the lead singer to this day. All right. No points on that one. Next, Blondie's Debbie Harry was once kidnapped by a man, later revealed to be Ted Bundy, but escaped. That's so wild that I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to have to go with Allison so I can continue to uh, keep ground. It'll be like 6-5 after this because it's true. Ah, damn. That is false. Now, it's actually a long-standing rock urban legend, but it has never been proven that it actually happened, <sighs> including by Debbie Harry herself. Did she go on a date with him, and then she just thought he was weird and moved on, so it really wasn't a kidnapping? There has never been any evidence to suggest that they crossed paths in any way. God. Hey, Debbie, if you're listening, let us know. Let us know. And you know what? If Debbie Harry can confirm that she was abducted by Ted Bundy, I will give you both a point retroactively. Perfect. Okay. How about that? I would appreciate that. That, that works. Still 5-4. Which, Allison will get this. That reminds me of uh, Mrs. Brungy. Oh, that's someone I haven't thought about in years. Yes. Her, Mrs. her big thing. Brungy. That's not retroactive. And I don't know why she would say it or what she context. But time. She always said that. And she said it in that way. That's not retroactive. I can't do it. Yes. But yeah. And, her head, and, and poor thing. I, and I feel terrible because she, I mean, she may have had Parkinson's disease. I don't know. But she would always, like, her head would always shake when she'd say, but she, oh, that's not retroactive. It's, but anyway. I totally forgot about that. Wow. Yeah, there you go. Memories. See? Yes, going down, going down the <laughs> rabbit hole. Poor Mrs. This Sorry, Mrs. Oh. Brungy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next, the police got their name as a last minute whim because they recorded for a label called Illegal Records. True. I am going uh, just to make ground. Either I lose it completely or we're tied up. I'm going to go with false you prevert. 
Well, well, well. Greg, you get a point for that oh. one. Time. So, Damn. the band did record for Illegal Records. In fact, the label was formed by Stuart Copeland and his brother Miles as a vehicle for releasing police records. But they had the name before that. The name was because of the uh, increased police presence in the London punk clubs in uh, in that era. So there you go. All right. Next. So five to five. This is getting good. This is scary. Morrissey met the cast and crew of friends about doing a guest appearance on the show, but ultimately declined because he didn't want to sing a duet with the Phoebe character. False. I feel very uh, serious about this. Okay, okay, well, I am going to, this sounds just wacky enough because we all know Morrissey is a humongous pain in the ass. I'm going to say true. Wow, Greg, I cannot believe it. You have pulled a miracle out. Go, Greg. That's true. Moz said, within seconds of the proposal, I wind down the fire escape like a serpent and it's goodbye to Hollywood yet again. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Now, I did have a tiebreaker, but uh, Greg, as far as the official game is concerned, it looks like you actually pulled that one out. Wow. Look at that. Allison, you quarter. had a crushing, a crushing Hail. fall from Grace. Hail this I area. did. Uh, crushing. Uh, All right. Damn. But I will read the tiebreaker. Eric Faulkner of Bay City Rollers produced the demo version of X-Ray Specs O Bondage Up Yours. Sure. I'll go with Yes. And I'm going to go with uh, True also. All right. That was false, although he did produce another great indie pop single, Dolly Mixture's 1980 cover version of The Shrell's Baby, It's You. Well, so, damn. No points. But Greg, congratulations. You have won my admiration and respect. And Allison, you know what? As a consolation prize, you also have won. Yes. My admiration and respect. Thank you. And I was going to say, let's tear it in half. I want to give half of my... Uh, you want respect or admiration? I'll give you half of whatever mine is. I want You've money. Up on me. Okay, okay, money. Okay. Well, so we don't have any of that. That's respect. So All I'll right, take the admiration. Then I'll take it. You get double respect. Okay. You're an author. <laughs> and as our smartest all-time guest, that's worth something. Hey. So thank you for playing O3L Lie Detector, the most questionably honest game on the planet. If I hadn't already said that five times. Only twelve. Well, one more time. What the hell? All right, our top five honest songs. The list continues after this. You're buckled up for a non-stop classic alternative thrill ride. Only three lads. Hey there, this is Jim Ruland, author of Corporate Rock Sucks, The Rise and Fall of SST Records, and you're listening to the Only Three Lads podcast. We are back. You are here. Thank you so much for being part of the Only Three Lads community. Really means a lot to us each and every time we go to Facebook. We see people share our post uh, when you guys download. We were just talking about this, Brett, a couple of days ago, but we started in 2020. So we had 2020, 2021, and we are going to either we already did or very soon we will surpass the downloads we had in the first two years in just the 10 months of this year. And it's all because Correct. of you. So thank you so much for being a part of this. And uh, again, our lists are always subjective. So if you have your top list of the top five honest songs, maybe we've missed something. Maybe there's uh, there's a lot of times there's like a golden egg that Brett and I miss. It's just what happens. And then we're like, we're oh, only human. yeah, we're only human of flesh and blood, <laughs> kind of like men, um, sort of sometimes. <laughs> we're, we're kind of men. Yeah, kind kinda. of like sort of sort of. I mean, that's what it says. Um, but anyhow, so thank you so much. Just wanted to say that. Yes. And we have surpassed that 
Oh, we and have. And we also surpassed 40,000 downloads of this show. So, wow. I look at that. Nice. Keep on trucking. Keep on trucking. Isn't that what it is? Keep on truck. Remember that in the seventies? Yeah, keep on trucking. Yeah. yeah, keep on yeah, trucking. Yeah, yeah. The guy with his totally. foot kind of dressed like a pimp and his foot out. That's right. That and uh, Yosemite Sam back off mud flaps and uh, silver naked ladies. Now Those are all guys, very big. You guys not, may not remember this because I think I'm older than both of you by just a little bit. So don't you get are. cocky. A couple three years. Um, but in 1980, with the problems we had with Iran back then, remember the F Iran things with mickey mouse that were on back of all the trucks you know now you have like the bull balls hanging from the truck so those same types of dudes 42 mm. years ago would have mickey mouse given the bird with the f iran message underneath you guys don't How remember tasteless. that i do not remember that but i'll take I your word in Arizona. well you guys grew up in california yes so, sir you know where you had salt hair out out here we had we had the smell of money, which was, you know, cattle and dairy. You had salty air, apparently. Yeah, I don't know. Salty, dusty, you know. And then if you see my face, you know, the sun damage that has done. Like, like you're a baby face. Allison's got a nice baby face. I look like leather at times, so it just oh, happens. You look like a million bucks. You're like, like the David Cassidy of only three lads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. More, <laughs> more like the uh, Bonaducci. <laughs> Danny Bonaducci down. Danny. Yeah. Deep cut. Yeah. Proving yet again that nothing is off limits here. Yeah. Well, Allison, if you remember uh, Danny Bonaducci when he uh, got busted for beating up the transvestite hooker, mm-hmm. I actually worked in that building and know exactly the alley where all that went down. I used to smoke in that alley. Ah, oh, I love it. If those smokes could talk. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you'd want that. Oh, I don't know. I think I would. Again, more smut. Well, Well, because the whole story was, you know, Danny Bonaducci, he paid uh, what he thought was a well, a prostitute. But then when he was finished, found out that it was a man. Well, I don't know what you call now. I don't mean to, you know, uh, misgender anybody. Mm, But a transvestite. Yeah. This politically correct message. Be who you are. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. This, um, you know, instead of being in the Dixie Chicks, this person was in the band Chicks with Dixies. And so <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not sure where to go, but I'm just saying, I'm just trying to get the picture out there. But uh, that's how that went down. And he got arrested and he was no longer a Phoenix DJ at Y95. That was wrong on so many. You can't even call them the Dixie Chicks anymore. They're just the chicks now. Yeah. Are they really? Come on. Oh, well, yes. that's like Lady Antebellum just became Lady A. So yeah. I, I understand all that stuff. Dumb, though, you know, dumb, I say. Well, yeah, it's like going as too if far. Lady Annabellum and the Dixie Chicks couldn't get any worse. Oh, there's always room. There's always room for more. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. They have proven that time and time again. But listen to me first in the Gimme Gimme's and Goodbye Earl, and then you'll fall in love with the Chicks with Dixies all over again. I couldn't even tell you the original song. I know they have a song with that name. I couldn't tell you how okay. it goes. So I will listen to me first in the Gimme Gimme's and it will be like hearing it for the first time. Yeah. Goodbye Earl. Great song. All right. You guys ready for our top honest song? Oh, never yeah. been readier. All right. Never been ready. Okay. For me, my number one song this week as we know that I overshare on this podcast. So I have to live with whatever I reveal about myself. So the song is about truth. Like is honesty the best policy or is it not? And of course it's a band that I love. So why wouldn't it be number one? Depeche Mode policy of truth is my number one honest song of the week. Now, Allison, you're a woman, you're married. And I've told the story before. And um, this is where I found out that sometimes honesty is not the best policy. So it's the late nineties the tour of kiss when it was all the original members 
I'm sitting in the box seat for the paper of record in Phoenix, the Arizona Republic. Mm -hmm. And I go there with my girlfriend, her friend and my brother. So the four of us are in this box seat. So I'm pounding beers, but you know, Kiss was my band when I was a kid. My mom would say, you're never gonna see Kiss in concert, never. And I was proving her wrong because I was at you know Kiss in all its glory with the original members and they're up on stage and I'm in the middle of 20,000 people. Now I know this is a guy thing. So I have to go to the bathroom. So I sit down and I pee in a cup, right? <laughs> And nobody saw me. Nobody, nobody saw me. And I'm putting Del. the cup back. Yeah. And I'm putting the cup back. And my girlfriend at the time, I won't say her name. We'll oh, call Lord. her Aaron. And <laughs> and so Graham I, Cracker. Yeah, Graham Cracker with an E. And so I stand up and she's like, What was that? And I she's like, Did you just pee in that cup? And I'm like, no. But I was so proud of myself. A guy, uh, you know, again, a guy thing. So proud of myself that nobody saw me because everyone's looking up at Kiss that I was honest and I said, yeah, I did. And my night turned into poop after that because she was like flipped out to this day when we talk. If I bring that up, it's the same emotion of her rolling eyes going, ugh. But is that a guy thing? Is it a guy thing? I'm so relieved to hear that the story didn't end with her drinking it. Thinking no, it no, no. Beer. I made sure, but oh. there was. That's what I was, was thinking. No, yeah. no, no, no one drank it. There was like no head on it. So you could tell, but it, it looked like beer. Cause it just, you know, <laughs> I would argue just the opposite. <laughs> well, I mean, you don't buy beer, you rent it. Right. Cause it goes, you know, that's the way it comes in and out. And mm. I just remember that. And that's where I learned honesty. If I would have just stayed, no, my night would have been stellar. And I could still remember. I still had a great night because I was very proud of myself. But um, I would imagine there wasn't any head on anything that night. Uh, that was what uh, I was thinking. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not sorry go. for that one. That's awesome. There you go. But Allison, sorry I had to share that with you, but I was really proud. But no, don't apologize, dude. Honesty is not the best policy. If I would have just stayed with no, but I wanted to be honest because I was always open sometimes too open and that was one of those times you have a policy of truth going back to your number one then that full circle thank you when when's your memoir smutty dude coming out <laughs> yeah. call back call back yes yeah <laughs> i don't know maybe one day when i do something of uh record or something of uh significance uh maybe that's when it'll come out i'll be the first in line you already have i would argue that you already have uh, maybe <laughs> I, I i i could find a list of uh, very um i guess uh what's the word i'm looking for Help me. Allison can come up with the, all sorts of flowery words, I'm sure. Yes. I need an adjective. Um, um, let's play Mad Libs. How about give us any adjective? I can give you a list of significant people and very unsignificant people who would argue with you, Allison, that I've done absolutely something of record in life. I've been on radio. I do news. I hate it. I mean, I don't hate it, but I'm just inundated with information and it makes me want to just see if I can fly off a top building and I think I would float down because I have to be at work the next morning. So now that's serious honesty, dude. Yeah, totally. I mean, I do it because I get paid. I show up and they pay me. So that's it. So it's a great relationship. I thought that was my dream in life to be a news guy, but it's so changed and so not what it was. 
because the corporations came in. I always come 1996 Telecommunications Act um, that it just is now it's corporations and it's horrible. Just kind of like politics. It's it's like junior high and people and it, I call it monkeys throwing poo at each other. Politics is basically show business for ugly people, especially this year. I mean, but every time it comes around and then as soon as we get done with midterm, the midterm election in February, we're going to start talking about the presidential election in 2024. And it, we all start back up. It's their fault. It's their fault. Uh-huh. Nuh-uh, uh-huh. Nuh-uh. It's horrible. Hey, you want to hear something totally funny, though? Yes. So for our little game that didn't really happen of of uh, O3L Mad Libs, I Googled random adjective generator. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. And based on your uh, story about the, the peeing in a cup versus beer, mm-hmm. the adjective that it came up with was heady. Heady. There you go. Heady. <laughs> well, there was no heady on the pee and no heady when I got home. So how's that? Smut. No heady. All right. Back right there. there All we right, go. Allison, save us. You're number one. I'm supposed to save you shit. I mean, I'll do my best. <laughs> well, this goes totally outside of your permutations of 1974 because my number one is The End by The Doors. Oh. I, I apologize. Like, that just blows it. But I just love this song. I just love the, I love the candor. I love how it just goes to the, this place that you don't usually see in music. I mean, incest is the ultimate taboo absolute ultimate taboo you do not speak of it you do not sing i've never heard anyone sing of it i mean maybe you have i've never heard that and when he says mother i want to it just like blows my fucking mind yeah it's just like okay you've just shown something of yourself maybe he maybe that was an instinct he had maybe it was instinct he just thought about but the very fact that it went through his head and he channeled it into the song is freaking amazing this is the end, beautiful friend. This is the end, my only friend. The end. That it's just that lyric. I mean, I love the whole song, but it's that lyric that just kills me, and that to me is honesty. Wow! And you think about 1967 and how dark that was. I mean, it's dark now. But in 1967, that was like unfathomable. Right. Right. I love that. It's brave. It's brave as hell. Especially 1967. I mean, I was just walking downtown, you know, the movie Psycho. That's where the movie starts. And I was looking at the building where they, the very first scene, they zoom in and it's the, you know, people, first of all, it was unmarital sex. And then they showed a toilet, which they didn't even show toilets in 1960. Uh, you know, in, in that cinema, in the, and then in 1967, you have uh, Jim Morrison singing what he sang. And as a public uh, uh, service, um, you can love your mom, just don't love your mom. Thank so you. Thank please you remember for that. that. Yes. Good yes. PSA. Yeah, there you Legally, go. That's, a, that's very wise words. <laughs> yes, I would yes. have to agree. Well, you're in speaking of toilets, since we're now obviously on the topic, you know, just the year prior, you had like a Mamas and Papas album where the one where they're all sitting in the bathtub mm-hmm. and there was a toilet in that original cover and they had to put a label over the toilet because they couldn't show a toilet on an album cover. And you had stuff like, you know, the cow sills, the rain and park and other things on the radio. And all of a sudden here come the doors with, uh, yeah, these these questionable themes. So pretty out there. Great choice. Drugs, man. Drugs. <sighs> tell me about it. I mean, really, tell me about it. I don't know. 
The moral compass of the only three lads podcast. Mm. Brett Fargo and his number one. Well, I believe that I'm challenging those very notions on this episode, but yes, uh, cocaine and assistance. All right. My uh, both of which I know nothing about again. My number one is a poignant song about abortion from Graham Parker's 1979 classic album, Squeezing Out Sparks, called You Can't Be Too Strong. Yeah, before anybody gets too rankled, I know that abortion is a sensitive topic. And this song in particular is one that gets misinterpreted too often as being pro-life and anti-abortion. And it's it's not. It even made the list of a top 50 conservative songs of all time list mm. to which the author could only shrug his shoulders and respond that people can take whatever they want from the song. But for Parker, it's a song that doesn't take sides, but it's an honest account of a friend of his that looks at the scenario from all sides. He wonders what the experience is like from the woman's perspective. Did they tear it out with talons of steel and give you a shot so that you wouldn't feel and wash it away as if it wasn't real? From the unborn baby's perspective, it must have felt strange to find me inside you. I hadn't intended to stay. If you wanna keep it right, put it to sleep at night, squeeze it until it could say you can't be too strong. Can't be too strong. You can't be too strong. Can't be too strong. You decide what's wrong. To the nervous doctor who wishes to God he was dead, and the man. The moral of the story is that the man really doesn't deserve a say in the matter because he gets off scot-free when he sings, I ain't gonna cry, I'm gonna rejoice and shout myself dry and go see the boys. They'll laugh when I say I left it overseas. Ultimately, the message lies in the lines, you can't be too strong, you decide what's wrong, you can't be too right, too wrong. That's real, that's honest, and this week it's number one. Wow. Graham Parker, you can't be too strong. Great choice. Thank you. You know what's always been called an anti-abortion song was Iron Maiden's Two Minutes to Midnight. That When you were talking about that's what popped in my head. Huh. Two really? minutes to midnight. Yeah, that's yeah, a... Yeah. Haven't listened to that one close enough, I guess. Yeah, well, it's it's got guitars in it, and it's really heavy, and it's got an yeah. edge, so it's not for you. I enjoy me some Black Sabbath. Oh, really? What's your favorite Sabbath song? Ooh. There's a bunch of them for me, but... Well, I love Paranoid, the song. Yeah. Children of the Grave. Yeah, good one. Fairies Wear Boots. Yeah. Iron Man. Or, um... Allison's just like, what are you guys talking about? I know Iron Man. We were listening okay. to it the other night. That I one I do know. I am Iron Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just that like chainsaw guitar that opens. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. well, Tony, I only, the way how he got that sound was he cut off his fingers. He's working at a machine shop, right? So mm -hmm. he cut off like the tips of his fingers. And so when he could play the guitar, when there was healing, he would dip it in uh, uh, some sort of either plastic or um, wax. Ooh. And that's what gave that different sound. And that's the invention of heavy metal. Yowzers. Wow. I am, yeah. I, I am Iron Man. No, yeah. I am. So here's how stupid I was. Even though I said I sold out to the man and, you know, I've spent a good majority of my professional life in mortgage management, I would do dumb things because I'm still a music nerd and artist at heart. At one of my previous jobs, whenever anybody wanted to enter my office, I made them knock on my door to the tune of Iron Man. See, that's so awesome. Bah, bah, <laughs> knock, 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 knock. 
I will remember that. I would let nobody in unless they did that. Did anyone say I'm not doing that? No. That's great. He was the boss applesauce. Everyone had a disagreement. Ah. You, you, nope. you want to get your commission check? I am Iron Man. Yeah. I am Iron Man. All right. Well, let's talk about Let's go down our list uh, and then talk about some of our honorable mentions. So at number five for me this week of the five honest songs, the top ones, Johnny Cash down there by the train was at number five, a song from 94. At number four, Lords of the New Church, Open Your Eyes. At number three for me, Give This Song a Listen, Talk Talk, I Believe in You from 1988. At number two, Human League, Human. And my number one, top five honest song, Depeche Mode, Policy of Truth. All right. Great. All right, meet in the middle. Run down your list. Meet in the middle says number five was Tracy Chapman telling stories. Coming in at number four was Nirvana, all apologies. Following that up at number three was the Bare Naked Ladies, Brian Wilson. Then we have number two, John Lennon watching the wheels. And number one were the doors with the end. Great. And mine was number five, Yoko Ono, Yes, I'm a Witch, You'll Come Around, Greg. Number four, Lou Reed, Waves of Fear. Number three, Blur, No Distance Left to Run. Number two, Neil Young, Tonight's the Night. And number one, Graham Parker, You Can't Be Too Strong. Awesome. Now, you know what? There, here, there's just one song that almost made my list. Now, it technically came out January 1st, 2000, not in our era, but it was recorded in 1999. So I figured okay. I might fall into that gray area, but it's definitely one to give a listen to Elliot Smith, Happiness. Mm, yes. That's an honorable mention for me. That's great. So that would be my number six. And it almost made the list. I almost, you know, Allison got you know, the doors, the end. So by one day, I think I could have squeezed it in, but I don't know. But still, I all, all my songs and my list I stand by, but that's a great song to listen to, too. Yeah. Well, I know we've talked a lot about John Lennon during this episode and uh, one of my picks. And I know by 1982, Paul McCartney was about as you know alternative as as ABBA. But um, he has a beautiful song on his tug of war album called Here Today, which is basically a posthumous love letter to John. Tells him he loves him and remembers the times they laughed and cried and imagines what John would have told him just at the notion of him writing the song about him. So that's a great one. The The, Love is Stronger Than Death, Kate Bush, Moments of Pleasure. Oh, that's a great song, yeah. Yeah. Japan, the, the. Ghosts, Peter Gabriel, Games Without Frontiers, The mm. Class Straight to Hell, Bruce Springsteen, Brilliant Disguise, which I think is a very poignant mm. song about the breakup of a marriage. You'll mm. come around, Greg. Yeah, no, I probably won't. Not with Bruce. I mean... I like what he stands for. He seems like a great guy. I would love to go drink whiskey with him down, you know, in, in Prescott, you know, on Whiskey Row. I think we could, you know, he would totally be down for that. But I don't know, man. I just, I just cannot connect with his music. Like, but oh. I do love Because the Night from Patti Smith. Like, I think that's great. Yeah. But, you know, born in the year. It's just, I was like, oh, wow, let me change that real quick. Misunderstood. And I was going to tell you, and one of my trips to the library, you're talking about Paul McCartney. I recently ran into this reference book. I can't spell it, but I go into the reference area all the time because that's where all the heady people are. And I found this book, Linda uh, McCarthy's, uh, excuse me, McCartney's um, uh, Polaroid pictures of that she mm, took yeah. over the years. Oh, wow. Amazing. Just like stuff with just them, you know, um, just being wherever and uh you know sometimes they were in tucson because they had a, a ranch in tucson mm -hmm. and then her very last picture do you know who the very last pictures that she took of and there was a polaroid drum roll please i have the book somewhere but i can't i can't think of who it was no chrissy hines oh she was going to do a uh they were doing test pictures and then you know linda said she was going to go to tucson and then 
she never made it back. And wow. then they sent those to Chrissy. Huh? Oh, very cool. And she did Jimi Hendrix. I, I think she shot the doors too. And obviously a ton of Beatles. Yeah, well, she was a great photographer she was. Yeah, before she was in Wings. You know, playing the, you know, one, two, three, one, two, three. Yeah. I always wonder at what point Linda adopted the British accent. Because you listen to her even, you know, even the 70s with Wings. Like, oh, you know, well, I'm going out with my hobby, Paul McCartney. <laughs> and we're going to go, you know, play Wings and... Hey. I'm like, at what point? At what point did you become like, yeah, I'm Linda McCartney from New York to, hi, I Liverpool, peace and love, you know? I love Linda, though. Well, she's English by injection, so she can speak any way she wants. <laughs> and there we go. <laughs> Let's close the door on this one. All right. Oh, well, we got to hit the randomizer. Oh, yes. Let's hit the randomizer. All right, Allison. So we pick our next week's topic at random every week and we give our guests the honor of telling us when to stop so just when you can just shout out stop stop greg yes sir getting oddly specific here Uh oh top five 70s american punk albums okay i can name that tune in three notes i'm ready ramones there you go all right. 1976. We well, we've sorted that one out then. Yes. And then Blondie. <laughs> and then who else? Uh, gosh, there's a lot of great Richard punk Hell. Stuff. Richard. Oh, yeah. Television. If you consider television punk. I, yeah, I, I would say, yeah. Blank Generation. Yeah. Richard Hell. And then, of course, his go. drummer. Guess whose drummer was? Marky Ramone. Marky Ramone. That's right. Full circle again. Well, yeah. that's going to be a fun one. Yep. Going to be a fun one. Specific. Well, Allison, we have to say it has been a real, real pleasure Love the book. I feel enriched just having you in my life all these years. Oh, I feel the same. Glad through the magic of social media and podcasting, and all that, that uh, we've had a chance to to connect again. Absolutely. And I just want to say it's been an honor. Seriously, smut and <laughs> music and a little bit of literature and it's all fucking good. So we've pretty much you. got all our bases covered. Yeah. You're awesome. This is the best. Bearded Lady by Allison Landa. Anywhere you get your books, read it on Scribd, get it from Amazon, get it from the publisher. Do everything you can to support this amazing writer. We want to make sure that she uh, writes those those 12 other babies. Thank you both. Thank you for putting up with this, Allison. It Hi, shows my that pleasure. You really are full of grit, honesty. And uh, I would say that you're tenacious also because you stuck around the whole hour and I don't know, 45, 50 minutes. So thank you so much for that. Hey, I'm a masochist, dude. I love it. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And thank the community once again, too. Yes, we are continuing to go upward and onward and we do owe it all to you. So on that note, until next week, we will wave hello and say goodbye. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 